Erie. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickville. Welcome back. Thank you for uh, <laughs> tuning in for another week. This is just getting more and more fun for us as we kick this off. It, to stay involved, I know we only we only meet once a week. We only that's the, that's the teacher coming out of me. We only talk once a week, but follow along. We are active online. You can follow us uh, on our socials at FC Sports Talk or follow me personally. And make fun of me at I'm Doctor Artman. I'm here this morning with my two friends, Paul and Rich. Guys, how we doing this morning? To an excellent, excellent, crazy weekend, but we're going to get into that. You know, we talk. We've been talking about how nice it was weather-wise. Well, this is this is eerie weather here. A little today. chilly, yeah. but yeah. we're we're persevering. I love this. Actually, this is like my favorite time of year. I like it when it gets cool like this. When all you need is like a a fleece. You know, I'm just, yeah. it, it, it feels, it, there's a different feel to it. This is football weather. Yes. I got tired of going to my daughter's cheerleading games and it's like 80 degrees. And this is, this is football. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into the North Shore Rewind. All right. Up first, let's talk about Mercyhurst Prep Warren. Score, Mercyhurst Prep 82, Warren 81. No, wait, wait, that's not right. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm sorry. 81 yards of total offense for Warren. <laughs> Mercyhurst, 82. Warren, nothing. Paul, this game was crazy quick. Wow. It was it was really something. It was a uh, mercy rule for Mercyhurst. Uh, the Lakers scored on nine of its 26 offensive plays. That's 26 crazy. plays total. Nine of them were touchdowns. <laughs> uh, and returned two interceptions for touchdowns. And... Had a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, 82-0 non-region football win for the undefeated Mercyhurst Prep Lakers. They improved to 7-0, one of three remaining undefeated teams left in District 10. I said Mercy Roll 28-0 after the first quarter, 48-0 at halftime. Listen to these stats. J.J. Ganska finished with 102 yards and three touchdowns on six carries. <laughs> Traverius Ramsey had two carries, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. As a team, 20 carries, 398 yards. That's 20 yards a carry. They completed all six of their passes for 74 yards, one of which went for a touchdown. They had eight rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown, two pick-six touchdowns, and a punt return touchdown. And here's the special teams. Four of seven on PATs. They hit three two-point conversions, and they had two kneel downs. Their last two touchdowns in the fourth. They didn't even attempt a PAT. They just knelt it out. <laughs> this sounds like the Mercier's prep Lakers versus the Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talked about it last week. Their line is outstanding, dominating every team. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not here to beat up on Warren. I'm just talking about Mercier's prep. 465 yards of total offense versus 81 winning the line play on both sides of the ball. I think maybe Mercyhurst University should call up some of those guys on <laughs> the prep team, but we'll save that. For, yeah, they for could the use uh, Paul Johnson. Who, uh, you, you said Mercyhurst, the lines are very good. They've got a couple of like division one double a defensive players who play both sides of the ball on offense uh very very fast uh the play selection they are hard to target where the ball is going pre-snap they they use a lot of motion they give a lot of guys the ball so it's not like you can stat watch and say well he's here he gets the ball 30 times a game you don't need to watch all this window dressing he's the guy it's it's really who's getting the ball on any play that's what you got two guys Six carries, three touchdowns, two carries, two touchdowns. I mean, what are you going to do? Do we know, and we should have, I should have asked you about this earlier, what the <laughs> margin of victory is in each of those seven wins? Oh, that's a good question. I could probably figure that out for you, but I don't have that stat yeah. done. I mean, I'm just thinking that, 
you know, if they're they're dominating Warren, that's kind of out of region. And th- who have they really played around yeah. here? And they yeah. travel to Iroquois. Keeping an eye on that one. Next game we want to highlight GM Wilmington. Paul, this was an exciting one. Probably the game of the week. Uh, an instant classic on homecoming night out at Edinburgh. Lance is coming up mere inches short in a 49-42 double OT loss to the Greyhounds on Friday night. Tied at 34 at the end of regulation. GM's Magnus Lloyd scored his second touchdown of the day, and Isaac Zietz found his brother Jacob on a two-point try to increase the lead to 42-34. Wilmington countered on the first play with a touchdown after several timeouts that and got the two-point conversion by mere inches. Then, as you flip possessions in overtimes, they got the ball right back. They scored on the first play from the 10-yard line. And then, for GM, in double overtime, fourth down and 10 from the 10-yard line, Zietz rolls out right, fires a pass to his brother at the goal line. A Greyhounds defender is right there as they tackled the younger Zietz out of bounds immediately. There was a huddle by the officials, and they came up saying he was two inches short of the goal line. The Wilmer sideline erupted so on homecoming night gm comes up two inches short in double ot it's sad you you know you see the sharp dressed men zeets and zeets zz tops yeah they're trying to pull it out and it's I mean, you get so close i can't imagine i always think of like even at, at a national level how hard that must be but at a, at a high school level i feel i always just my heart breaks for those guys you know you're at the two yard line just can't reach it across. That's got to be a tough, tough loss. Let me ask you guys this, and I didn't prepare you for this. What's worse as, as a fan or even as a player of, of your team? Would you rather get blown out and lose or would you rather lose by an inch in double overtime? That's a great question. I think it stings either way, but I'd rather get blown out than to get that close. I think it's easier to accept the blowout. Fair but, enough. But when you're when you're like... You know, I remember high, like high school games are just electric and you're yeah. in the stands, you're excited, you're going crazy and you think you have a shot and then all of a sudden it's just gone. Yeah. That's I think that hurts more. OK, that's that's fair. I, I don't have an answer for you. I was just curious at your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, game three, we want to touch on this morning. Fairview, Gerard, Fairview Tigers defeated their West County rival Gerard 35-21. Oh, yeah. Another close game between Fairview and Girard, the West County rivalry, the backyard battle, as it's known. The schools are only five miles apart. Uh, Fairview got out early, scored three early ones in the first half. Girard sort of figured things out a little bit. Uh, Jeremiah Cologne, 25 carries, 154 yards and two touchdowns. They weren't able to stop him in the second half. He suffered a stinger uh, early fourth quarter, so he missed a drive or two defensively. Um, And so it was 28-21. Fairview had the ball. Gerard's coming back. They need a stop. They get him down to third down and long. And then here was the play of the game in my estimation. Uh, Fairview ran this action like a jet action behind the QB and like a 360 toss. And they'd been hitting it two or three times earlier in the game. And we really came downhill on it hard. Okay, third, we know the play. And they hit us with the counter, the play action over the top. Safety bit hard on the run. And it was an easy over the top 60 yard touchdown pass for Fairview. And you just, hey, Tip of the cap to Sobolewski uh, and the Fairview Tigers really cruising here uh, as the season goes on. You know, there was talk from Weber if the Fairview Tigers win out, they can sort of make a case for the playoffs. As of right now, they probably would be excluded. But um, should they continue this this run, they might be able to sneak in. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, they started out Fairview 
rocky start to the season against Mercyhurst Prep, I mm-hmm. believe so. Yes. Uh, but they've slowly just kind of gotten better and better as the season's rolled. Yeah, they they got blown out by Mercyhurst in the beginning of the season. Oh, man, it's going to be tough here for Fairview. But it turns out it, it, Mercyhurst blown out everybody. So, it, you know, not really <laughs> a bad Maybe it didn't look Fairview. as bad as you thought. Exactly. Yeah. Looking back, hindsight being twenty twenty. <laughs> but that's all, you know, this game, we've covered it a couple of times over the years. Oh, yes. And it's always a good game. I mean, they leave it all on the field because, yeah. again, they're five miles apart and they like to talk trash on the field and they leave it there. Yeah. And, and a 10 a.m. Saturday start, you know, other games, you might have a little bit of dip in enthusiasm. Not fair nope. to Girard. It, it didn't matter. Could have been 2 a.m. Sunday morning. It, the <laughs> players would have been fired up on the field. Yeah. And Paul mentioned Tom Reisenweber. Great follow on X Twitter. I'm, I'm starting to follow. All right, fine. I'll fall in line X. Uh, give him a follow. ETN Reisenweber. Great person to follow for all your District 10 news. Um, sticking with football real quick, we, we, we're keeping an eye on Ethan Knox this week. What's going on with Ethan? We yeah, haven't talked I've, about him for a you, couple weeks. You know, I've had Ethan Knox watch on my paperwork. <laughs> Every week that we come in here, we cover so much, but I had to get it in this week. He moved into second place in District 10 rushing history this week with a 104-yard performance and a loss against Hollidaysburg. Knox now sits at 6,872 yards. In three and a half years of three games to go, he trails only Journey Brown, 7,027, so 155 yards behind the career leader in rushing yards. Next week, they've got Cash at home, and I texted you, Nick, he might run for 1,000 <laughs> yards against Cash. That is incredible to me because these these records, they used to hold for years. Yeah. I mean, year. You, you could go decades without getting someone even close. And here we are. Journey has not been away that long. No, he has not. And you know what's really most impressive to me? How the game of football has changed over the years. We've kind of become more of a passing game. This is the rushing game. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's not incredible. something you see very often anymore, for sure. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the North Shore Rewind, brought to you by Duskus Funeral Home. When we get back, we're going to head on over to the campus corner right here on Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickfill. Welcome back to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickville. From high school to college, let's get into the campus corner. Starting with men's soccer, Gannon moves up to number 13, coming up from 19 in the United Soccer Coaches Division II National Rankings. They did fall from 7th to 19th after a tie to Saginaw Valley State, but they are able to make their climb back with an 8-0-1 record. Last week, they defeated Mercyhurst 5-1, Cal 5-0, and they continue to make that climb upwards. I'm excited to see, and we'll get into this in the flagship feature as we talk more about Gannon men's soccer then, but I'm excited. Excited to see them get into the playoffs and see what they can actually do this year. They've had a couple close runs the last couple of years, and I think they're just rolling this year too. Yeah, the playoff experience of the last couple of years will help. As far as seeding goes, and you talk about national ranking, it's very subjective. Uh, you can only win the games that are on your lineup. And like you said, no losses yet. A tie is all, so Gannon can still tout that undefeated record. 
Yeah, Tanash Katsan, who we will have in the flagship feature coming after the half of the hour. Graduate student from England scored four goals in Gannon's 5-2 win over Lock Haven. Can't wait to pick his brain about that. Coming off the field for soccer and heading back into football, Gannon 23, Edinburgh 12. Gannon University's football team wins against a local rival, Edinburgh, marking Gannon's third consecutive victory. Oh, Gannon Edinburgh, always a fun game, you know, whether you're on the court or on the field or on the pitch. Story of the day, though, was Gannon's defense held Edinburgh to eight drives in the first three quarters. Five punts, two fumbles, and a turnover on downs. And then the fourth quarter is where things started to get fun. 17-0 Gannon. Edinburgh started the fourth with a 12-play, 79-yard drive, capped by a one-yard touchdown run by Brian Trobell. They got the ball back. Less than five minutes left, went 84 yards on 12 plays to cut the lead to 17-12. This is where it got fun. 22-yard touchdown pass to Mike Watkins to complete that drive. They tried to go for two. It was incomplete, so it stayed a five-point game. So you're talking about a touchdown. They did attempt, but did not recover an onside kick, forced Gannon to punt with 27 seconds left, and then on the final, Scott's attempted one of those crazy lateral plays, and here was a real stamp from Gannon. Play resulted in a fumble. Gannon's Sir Giles pounced on it and returned it all the way back for a touchdown to set the final at 23-12. to So a big win for the Gannon Golden Knights. Here's some stats. Edinburgh, 47 pass attempts between two quarterbacks again, Rich, and only 43 yards rushing on 26 attempts. Unbelievable day defensively for the Golden Knights. For Gannon, Nate McHale, 10 of 20, 186 yards, two touchdowns, uh, did have an interception. He also carried the ball seven times for 26 yards. Donnell Tank Mason, five <laughs> catches, 75 yards and a touchdown, also carried the ball twice for nine yards. And here's the local pitch. Redshirt senior Eric Scarpino, a Fort LaBeouf grad, still has yet to miss in 2023. He is a perfect 15 for 15 on PATs and nine for nine in field goals. Gannon's got Slippery Rock up next while Edinburgh travels to IUP. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Nate McHale, right? We talked about him on his, yeah. on his opening weekend. He seems to gain more and more confidence every week. I think he's getting better. I think the passing numbers in terms of total completions is still a little bit below where you'd like to see it. He's hovering around that 50% mark where you'd like to see QBs hover around closer to 60 but as a dual threat you know the the numbers don't bear out a lot of those could be throwaways they could be near misses they could be you know pitch it as you're as you're going to the ground but but being a dual threat and like you said getting more and more comfortable as the weeks go on I would not have predicted this final at the beginning of the season so a big win for the Golden Knights and and uh, Mikel and Mason becoming quite the pair do you think that Edinburgh's switch using you know going back to using two quarterbacks was that part of the game plan or do you think that was hey let's see if we can get a spark well I think it was I think it was spark um, and I think it was, I don't want to, you know, Jake Knopf is a really smart guy, <laughs> yeah. way smarter than I am on football <laughs> things. Um, but it's just interesting, Rich, as we talked off air quite a bit about how when Edinburgh was using two and three quarterbacks, the record wasn't good. But when they went, OK, we, we have our guy now, um, they kind of did a little bit better. And this week, resulting in a loss, they kind of were back to that two quarterback system. Yeah. But there again, I have to think, you know, for three quarters, no scoring. Eight, what I say, five punts and, and two turnovers and, and eight drives. You need a spark at that point. So maybe he was correct to do so. And it, and it did result in 12 points. But moving forward, the old saying is if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
heading from the downtown university to the uptown university. Now, this sounds like a bit. I promise you, I am in on the women's bowling team this year for Mercyhurst. I think it is fascinating. Every time I read more and more about this, I had no idea that you could even have a collegiate bowling team, let alone that there are national rankings for this as well. So Mercyhurst, if you hear me, know that I am tracking this closely. The Mercyhurst women's bowling team finished third in the Mercyhurst Invitational, marking a positive start to their season. Niagara University and Wilmington University secured first and second, but this is a great start for Mercyhurst. Taking up against those two teams, which are, I'm just learning this, by the way, powerhouses in the bowling realm. Naturally. (laughs) Is still impressive for Mercyhurst to take the third place. You're a big fan of the turkey. I love the turkey, all the turkeys. You know, that is my favorite part of bowling whenever you get the little turkey graphic that pops up on the screen. Oh, yeah. I tried to explain what that is, what my what my son, to that to my son and things like that. He has no idea what, what any of that means. Um, but I love it. I love it. Moving from the lanes to the pitch, women's soccer moves up to number 20. Mercyhurst women's soccer team is ranked 20th in a recent national poll and third regionally. I bring this up because I think it's impressive to have these teams here uh, on a national ranking system in, in, in the university systems. And I had no idea that this was, you know, when I moved to Erie, you, you know, football, you're talking football and yeah. things like that. But to see even these two soccer teams, both at Gannon and now at Mercyhurst, I just think it's important that we touch on these things. Well, that's that's the beauty and, and the necessity of this show, Nick, is yeah. you know, we touch on just more than football and because there is. Erie is such a sports-rich area outside of maybe the big three sports that get talked about over and over right. ad nauseum on all the other shows <laughs> and whatnot. That's, that's why you got to tune in here. Yep, yep. Mercyhurst women, they've won nine consecutive games, including victories over Edinburgh and UPJ. The team's offense involves 14 different players scoring goals this season. So it's not like they have uh, or not that they can't play anybody. They're, they're diversifying there as well. All right. Sticking over with Mercyhurst. This one looked, I thought at halftime, looked great. And then <laughs> it was all downhill from there. Football, Mercyhurst 31, Slippery Rock 75. So I had the same takeaway as you. Uh, first quarter ended, it's 21-14. At halftime, it's 35-24. And if you're Mercyhurst, you're thinking, okay, I have to win in a shootout. We, we can but do we this. Just, we just have to get a stop. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that never materialized as uh, Slippery Rock made those adjustments. Uh, Mercyhurst managed only seven points in the second half where Slippery Rock put up. 40. So that was, it was the final two quarters that were really uh, tough for the Lakers this weekend. They've got uh, Clarion next though on the road, which should be uh, easy to bounce back. And I mean, Slippery Slippery Rock looks legit. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I teach there, but oh yeah, they're playing so well. I'll be interested to see, I believe they're, they're at Gannon this weekend, right? Did I see that correctly? I'm scrolling. I'm yes. Pausing as versus I Slipper scroll Rock. Up. Yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, we'll see. This PSAC West is starting to to shape up there as well. Heading over to college tennis. Paul, you're, is, is, I'm plugged into bowling. You're plugged into tennis. What are you seeing at the college tennis level? Yeah, you're you're our pinhead for sure. I'm I'm the tennis guy. <laughs> Um, I, I, I have I some, like <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to use that joke while you guys were talking. So I, needed to, <laughs> I needed to fit it in somewhere. Okay. Some updates from the PSAC, uh, this weekend, Mercyhurst at Edinburgh showing out well, uh, for Mercyhurst in the women's end, Kayla Dean and Rishan Murphy, uh, both made the quarterfinals in singles. These are taking place today. Um, and as a pair, they are in the semifinals and the doubles over on the men's side of things, Gustavo Martins from Edinburgh and Danilo Raccoon from Mercyhurst are both in the semifinals 
uh, in singles. And then Gordon Milushnik and Fabrizio Sosa are in the finals in the men's doubles. The PSAC taking place today. All right. So it's 50 degrees outside right now as I look at my watch. How do you play tennis in 50 degree weather? Well, they are down in Bloomsburg. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to the tennis courts at Bloomsburg. It's it's a little bit warmer, but it's basically like trying to play in a hurricane or a tornado. Very, very windy. <laughs> um, a reason that they're still playing today is because they got kind of winded out yeah. at certain portions over the weekend. Yeah, you can't you know, hit a tennis ball, that really light little tennis ball in yeah. 40 mile an hour gusts. They had to, they had to postpone some matches. Well, but then I feel like even the, the cold is enough to like even harden the ball a little bit. Like just make, I feel like this is my non-tennis knowledge. I was going to say, like, I'll believe you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just feel like when, when it's like golf, right? When you have, it's cold out, the ball goes further. It's a little harder. I wonder yeah. if it works the same way in tennis too. That's, that's entirely possible. I, I we got to do some I, I research. I get a tennis expert in yeah. here on this. <laughs> I, I always thought of the wind is certainly being a factor, but cold rubber. Yeah. I'm you not know, sure. I just, I'm just thinking, you know, all right, well, we got some questions to ask this week. We'll, we got, we'll, we'll deep dive some tennis and some bowling. If you uh, reach out to us, you can find me at I'm Dr. Hartman on Twitter to call me out. Before we take our next break, I want to take a second to thank all of our sponsors. Quick Fill, Duskis Funeral Home, Circo Industrial Supply, John's Wildwood Pizza, Denny's Sale and Service Center, Dauber Auto Supply, Awesome Painting and Services. Without them, we wouldn't be here for you. All right, when we get back, we'll hop into the flagship feature. You're listening to Flagship City Sports. Sports Talk brought to you by Quickville. And we are back. You're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk brought to you by Quickville. Today's flagship feature, we're heading back to the pitch, talking about Gannon's men's soccer. We have two representatives in studio with us today, head coach Billy Coton, and we've been told we've been saying it back and forth wrong, Tanash, Tanashi. <laughs> he goes, just call me T, Katsan, PSAC, West Men's Soccer Co-Athlete of the Week. Gentlemen, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Coach Colton, I want to start with you. This is a question I like to ask everybody we bring on the feature, and it's, what's your origin story? What brought you to Erie? How'd you get here? Where are you from? So I'm originally from Essex in England. I came over, I actually went to Merciast, played soccer there. Rival. Hated Gannon at that time. <laughs> Wanted to beat Gannon. Then went and chased the dream a little bit after I graduated. Didn't work out. Got into coaching. Loved coaching. Loved being around the game. Then my former coach from Mercyhurst came to Gannon and he brought me in as a GA. Now I hate Mercyhurst and love Gannon. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just worked my way up from GA to assistant, learned as much as I could about coaching and coaching college and soccer and everything I could. Yeah. And then got my opportunities to to take over as head coach. Yeah. How was that switch making that rival switch? Is it just like, oh, well, they're paying me now, so I guess I don't like you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I just like winning. (laughs) Even better. The the Al Davis method. I like it. Just win, baby. Just win, baby. (laughs) All right, T, same question. What's your origin story? What brought you here? So I'm from originally from Zimbabwe, born and raised there and moved to England when I was nine. uh, And I've lived in England ever since. And I came to Erie in 2019, got recruited by 
Billy Colton, head coach. And um, yeah. I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Yeah, he's yeah. maybe sitting right next he to me. He wins from what, from what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he loves winning, I think. And that's that's one of the reasons that brought me to Gannon because of the coaching staff that we had here. They they were just focused on trying to do the best and achieving, um, yeah. you know, by winning winning in the in the piece. And right now we're doing we're doing pretty well. So, yeah, you you're know. You're okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're decent. Um, but yeah, that's what brought me to Gannon, um, the coaching staff, and just to win. It's awesome. It's interesting to have you both from England. And I had a friend, um, when I worked at Gannon, she was from Manchester. And she always said the weather here in Erie was similar to, you know, England and London and things like that. A lot of people don't like to come here for the weather, but I've heard it's similar to England. So does that hold true from you guys as well? I think it's similar, but more extreme. Like it doesn't get quite as hot in England as it does here, but it okay. doesn't get quite as cold and snowy. Oh, yeah, we see. don't get anywhere near as much snow as we do in Erie. I remember <laughs> you, get, you get snow up to your knees and stuff like that. Like yeah. you don't really quite get that. We haven't had snow that bad. I don't know when the last time it was back when it was snowing, um, Billy. But for me, the the most snow I've seen in England since I came here has probably been just up to my feet. But yeah. here it goes up to like your knees and stuff. So it's crazy. I remember I so I first moved here in 2013 and I was working at Gannon and I we were like snowstorm warning coming. We we're supposed to get six inches of snow. And I'm from outside of Pittsburgh, so I'm used to snow. But I, I said to my boss, I said, so what should I watch? Are they going to cancel classes tomorrow or anything like that? And she just started laughing at me. <laughs> she was like... No, this is eerie. This is like, just get on your snowmobile and get to work. Uh, so I was a little taken back by that too. <laughs> no, it certainly feels like you need a snowmobile or something. Half the time <laughs> yeah. you can't even walk outside. So it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Coach Colton, back to you. Fifth season of Gannon's head men's soccer coach uh, starting this season, but ninth year overall as a member of the staff, you have a 50, 14 and five record at the start of the season. You've had, we talked about just win, baby. You've been having a great time since you've been here. Maybe this is an easy question to answer but how high are your sights set this year as high as possible yeah we've actually been meeting today i just had a meeting with t and we're trying to keep focus stay switched on because it's easy to when you're winning a lot it's easy to lose sight and just think they'll just keep coming but they don't keep coming unless you keep working you keep yeah. grinding you keep doing the basics right you keep your standards high and that starts in training that starts in the locker room so we're realistic we've never won the PSAC we've never won the playoffs so yeah our sights are high but we also have to be realistic that we've never done that so yeah. we need to break something we need to change something for that to happen yeah and you, you talked about back-to-back -back tournaments or you're talking about that winning culture right back-to-back -back consecutive NCAA Division 2 tournaments in 2019 and 22 there was no tournament due for COVID how hard is it to maintain that winning culture with the team from year to year it is and it's not at the same time because although we've been winning a lot we've never actually won anything we've won the regular season title but we've never won the conference title we've never won uh, the conference playoffs I should say we've yeah. never won the region title so we win a lot but we need to win at the end of the season as well so I think the drive is always there to go and win that and be the first team to win the conference playoffs but we've got a lot of work to do before we get to that point yeah do you have like your your go-to motivational techniques oh, I think that'll probably be a better question for team <laughs> well <laughs> that's where I'm going next that's what I was going to ask him how it works but uh, that's fair that's it, fair it's just about keeping their feet on the ground never yeah. get too high never get too low yeah. Um, enjoy the win when it comes, but as quickly as we're enjoying it, well, I'm already then looking at the next one, the next game, yeah. and how we can prepare for that one. Yeah. Well, T, I am going to come back to you. So, you know, last week you were selected as PSAC Co-Athlete of the Week. How did that feel? What, how did you get that news and how did you react? Um, 
I got the news on my Instagram story, getting people <laughs> tagging me on their stories and stuff. So um, that's how I found out. Uh, but no, nah, it felt amazing. And um, it's nice to be rewarded, you know, for the hard work you put in, in preseason and during the season and stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, it feels good. And obviously it's not the, you know, it's, that's not what I want to achieve as, a, as an individual. I want to achieve winning trophies with the team and, you know, carrying on strong until the end of the season. So fingers yeah. crossed that we can all just keep working hard. And it's good to get the individual awards, but I think more, more importantly, oh, it's yeah. just about us as a team kind of getting the results and as Billy said trying to win win a PSAC and yeah. the region and making as far as we can in the nationals yeah yeah absolutely for a guy who said he came in unprepared that was a heck of an answer I just, I just want to say <laughs> he's a grad student he's, yeah, he's, he's doing well <laughs> listen I want to ask a question sort of about recruiting and it, and it applies to you both now coach you said right in the beginning okay I'm from England and then I went to Mercyhurst and I was kind of like okay you, you glossed over quite a bit there how did you go from England to Mercyhurst like was there a pamphlet or something did you have a contact and then T how did he get you from England to Gannon what's the recruiting process like there so I'd sort of heard about it um, heard about a few English kids that had come to America and done it and it was something right away that interested me I mean to be honest if I'd have stayed in England I don't think I'd have gone to university well, well sure uh, like you hear about you at yeah Miami's great you know <laughs> Texas is great why eerie <laughs> so um, I just went on the internet I found as many universities as possible I said emails and spoke with coaches spoke with different people did you have a point of contact in your ring? did you know I didn't a know coach one person. okay um I sent the coach an email we responded we spoke on the phone he come and watch me play and then it went from there and that was how I ended up in Erie that's the, the short version that's the short okay that, that's fair enough okay so internet research what what year was this 2007 okay 2007 okay so I was thinking alright that's that's not that long ago right. I'm not that old yet <laughs> no well, I, you, you've been winning a long time I don't know how far back the winning goes I was was that pre-internet age how did he recruit you over here uh, well, did he not tell you about snow at all he mm. just tagged you with your Instagram <laughs> stories he actually sent me um, an email with all the new facilities Gannon had had like okay. the gym and told me to, to search up Erie he told me a lot about Erie and when I looked it up you know when you google Erie you get all the nice sunsets <laughs> and the summer weathers and the beach and stuff so that's, that's what design. I saw right. exactly um, and <laughs> that's just July the, yeah I didn't really realize how, how bad the snow gets here but no so my recruiting process was I had a bit different to Billy I didn't actually send out many emails I had a an agent kind of between me and the colleges that I was communicating with yeah and he creates a profile for you and then I'm sure he sends it out to different coaches and then Coach Coton, he was one of the people that I got in touch with along with a few other boys as well from England and yeah, that's how I kind of got in touch and found out about Gannon and Erie and we stayed in touch until we finalised me coming over here. What did you guys do, in, do during the COVID season? Did you go back? Did you stay here? So when COVID first started, uh, we went back home and then um, we came back that following fall, but we just had no season. Um, okay. Well, our season got cancelled or we had no season actually at all. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Now, you've had 30 goals in five years at Gannon. Which one's your favorite? Which one sticks out as like, if you were going to pull that highlight reel and start with this goal, which one is it? Describe it to us. Was it against Mercyhurst? Um, <laughs> I think it probably would have to be against Mercyhurst. There was one goal that I scored to equalize um, against them because we hadn't won in a long time. And I remember running over across their bench and celebrating to go to our <laughs> bench. So <laughs> To shake their hands competitively, right? Like, yeah, respect, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'd probably say that one stands 
pretty high in, in my favourite goals again and just because it was against Mercyhurst and it was to, <laughs> to tie the game up. So, <laughs> Coach Colton, are those games against Mercyhurst a little sweeter when you win knowing you played there? No, no, not really. It's just <laughs> I get less abusive texts from previous <laughs> players. You know, beat them. That's they, fair. If they beat us, my phone blows up. When we beat them this year, I didn't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. T, my last question. Last season, I saw you played a season-high 95 minutes in the NCAA tournament match versus Millersville. Okay. I can't run for five minutes without just being utterly exhausted. <laughs> How in the world do you play a 95-minute soccer match? That's a good question because... <laughs> um, <laughs> That's like a marathon time. Right, right. right. <laughs> I mean, as, as soccer players, we kind of get drilled and conditioned to, you know, to be able to play those that long in a game. And yeah. we have a pretty pretty intense preseason a lot of the times and it gets the most out of us yeah so you know we're ready for those type of games and um i'm fortunate enough to be one of those players that gets to play that many minutes and yeah. um but i think when you also got the adrenaline and you're trying to win you don't really think about how long you're running or how how far you're running and stuff so <laughs> yeah. um i think you know it's part of the sport you just get used to running that long and stuff it's nothing too yeah. difficult obviously you feel you feel the legs a bit but <laughs> it's nothing that stops you from playing i wouldn't have been able to move for like a month that, <laughs> right? but that's why you're winning co-p sack player of the week co-athlete of the week and i'm sitting behind a desk talking about sports guys <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming into studio today and hanging out with us. We are excited to watch you guys uh, finish out the season, and, and we're ready for that other than the, the season victory as well. We want to see those championships come back to the North Shore as well. So thank you guys for coming into the studio. Thank you for having us. Yeah. All right, that was today's flagship feature. When we get back, we'll jump into the Rust Belt Rundown. You're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickfill. Welcome back to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by QuickFill. If you missed that flagship feature, don't worry. You can always catch up. Find us on your podcast app, Flagship City Sports Talk. It was a great one. Don't miss it. Up next, let's talk some NFL in the Rust Belt Rundown. Today's Rust Belt Rundown is brought to you by Circo Industrial Supply. Heading across the pond... Wow, we have a uh, a British themed show. We really do. I was thinking that th the same thing. <laughs> Heading over to London, Jacksonville beats the Bills 25-20. Jacksonville, uh, their defense forced six punts and limited the Bills to 20 points. Paul, what did you see this week? What'd you One see? too well, many just... fish and chips for Josh Allen. That's what I saw. 27-40, <laughs> 359 yards, a pair of touchdowns and an interception. So not pedestrian numbers. Those are Josh Allen numbers. And look at the receivers. Diggs, eight catches, 121 yards. Did have a fumble. Uh, big play, Gabe Davis, six catches, 100 yards, also had a touchdown. Um, I think the thing that stood out to me most in this one, guys, this game was 11-7 with eight minutes to play. We saw 27 points in the final seven. 44 of regulation uh jacksonville coming out on top 25 to 20 i think you you were the one who mentioned the great quote by Diggs. what do you call josh yeah. allen <laughs> so stefan Diggs was saying how they were asking him about being jet lagged because you know coming coming, yeah. coming over jacksonville's been there for two weeks is that going to be an issue Diggs said no nah, i don't need much sleep but josh allen is a little different quote I'm, this is Diggs. I'm fine. I'm ready to go. Sleepyhead, referring to Josh Allen, does need his rest, though. So, I don't know. It didn't yeah. look like he had his beauty rest coming into this game. 
Yeah, again, the numbers on the back end look pretty good, but yeah, just kind of a rough and tumble game for the Bills. Um, I don't think they were expecting the Jaguars' defense to be as uh, good as it was. Trevor Lawrence, you know, they turned the ball over a lot. There were a couple of games this weekend where the team who had a negative turnover margin ended up winning the game. This was one of them. They had four, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But... Trevor Lawrence was just good enough. The defense was unbelievable. And I do think losing Matt Milano early on in the game, uh, it not only hurt him in this game, but that's going to hurt the Bills going forward. A lot of talk about Vaughn Miller um, and and the linebacker that took over uh, for Terrell or Tremaine Edmonds. Matt Milano was the engine of that defense. And they have now lost all pros in back-to-back weeks. They got Vaughn Miller back this week. But Tredavious White last week, Matt Milano this week, just tough circumstances for the Bills who will rebound let's let's be clear a lot of this was on yes the trip across the pond a 9 30 a.m start Jacksonville had been there for you know 20 days prior to the Bills even coming to town so a lot of things went against the Bills so so the Bills mafia don't get mad at me I don't blame you entirely for this one you're probably <laughs> right there was a lot of external factors that went into this loss but it is a loss back down to second in the AFC East uh they will rebound next week I thought I wrote down who, who they played I can get that for us I don't, I'm not sure who they play next week you know I think about this is supposed to be a home game for the Bills and again we're not making excuses for Buffalo here but you had it's, a, it's supposed to be a home game for Buffalo but Jacksonville's been there for two weeks they've acclimated to the time change a little bit and yeah. I'm not making it like time change I get it. It, it. it can absolutely wreck you, but prep for it. But if this is supposed to be a home game for Buffalo, how do you allow Jacksonville to stay there two weeks in a row? I think that's where I get a little confused. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, you want to play internationally, <laughs> go to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it does grow the game. I would love to see an NFL Europe actually be an NFL Europe. It'll be interesting to see where they actually do land in the international games. I will say I love to see more international players coming into the NFL, though. Yes. It's becoming a lot more interesting. And I don't know how, how much much you guys really care about it you, you ever watch the fans at international games oh they're insane oh my, insane yeah. is like putting <laughs> it mildly i love seeing some of the costumes and whatnot if you get to see your team one time a year yeah. you you go all out, out. And, and they never disappoint <laughs> I, I love i really do enjoy that i think my favorite so far was the steelers mexico city game i think it was last year uh-huh. and you had all like the mexican wrestler masks that were yeah. like steelers themed and so i was like the lucha wanna, libre masks yeah. yes yes i want i want to get down there for one of those but yeah, defense banged up. You talked about Milano. Tredavious White is also injured, and it, it's it's looking like a lot. I mean, AJ Epinesa did stand or um, stood up, two sacks, three passes defended. But you know, we talked about how great that defense has been, and it's been the key for them maintaining games. And the Bills looked like the Bills for the yeah. last eight minutes. Yeah. Unfortunately, Jacksonville found some traction in the same time frame. So they, I think it was fourteen thirteen in that final seven and a half minutes or so. Yeah. Um, but the Bills, they did get back on the on the right track toward the end of the game just you know it's a 60 minute game it had been a 62 minute game we might have had a a completely different result today yep yep all right heading over to pittsburgh steelers 17 ravens 10 steelers struggled but pull out Mm. the late game theatrics to win the game I don't even know how to start this. Uh, there's, there's, there's a cliche that, that is escaping me right now. You feel like you got away with one, don't oh, you? absolutely. There's no way they should have won this game, right? Yeah. The the offense looked bad. Pickett is not winning games. Now, he didn't... I wouldn't say he... He's a game manager yeah. at best. He just can't lose games for you, which I don't think he did I don't think he yesterday. did either. No. I think the offensive line is the biggest thing. I feel like I'm always talking about the offensive lines, but I think the offensive line of the Steelers is a big issue. 
issue because he doesn't have time to play. He's not moving like he did in college, so he's not using his legs to win games. Najee Harris is getting stuffed in the backfield. The only reason Jalen Warren is looking better than him is he's that one-cut speedster mm-hmm. guy. Where, more speed than Najee. Yeah. Right, and Najee's that power back, and but Najee doesn't get to the line to get to use that power. It's like, you know, getting the, the train moving. You can't get it you can't get it up to speed to run anybody over. Same story, different team. Look at the New York Jets. You know, all yes. these pieces and Aaron Rodgers and all the offseason hype, but what ends up happening? Yeah. You lose the quarterback because the offensive line just isn't up to snuff. And yeah. like Pittsburgh's the same way. They really do have good skill players. Najee Harris has gotten a bad rap in Pittsburgh. He hasn't had a stellar run in Pittsburgh. He hasn't had a real chance. No, you talk about the receiving talent and, and Kenny Pickett, say what you will, but it's hard to give the guy a, a fair shake behind a shaky offensive line. Right. And you talk about the difference between college and the NFL. He's a A-plus athlete at the collegiate level, but at the NFL level, everybody's an A-plus athlete. Yeah. And those two-way quarterbacks, the, the the guys who can scramble in college a little bit, you know, I, I say this all the time. I say, remember when Andy Dalton was at TCU? <laughs> he was a runner. Nobody thinks of Andy Dalton as a no. runner in the NFL. <laughs> no, no. Kenny Pickett was a runner at Pitt. He's not a runner in the NFL. He's got just enough athleticism to be mobile in the pocket, which is how you how you supposed to win the games in the NFL. No, 100%. And the NFL, you know, is becoming more when you draft a guy, they're they're ready to go. Right. Whereas it's been a little I think it's you have to be They're They're forcing guys who aren't ready yeah. into being ready. Just. Yep. But Tomlin's of that old mindset, you know, the Tony Dungy tree where he's kind of just yep. like, OK, you're going to sit. You know, they take Broderick Jones, their first round pick, trade it up for him. Monster of a left tackle. This is the first game he started because of injuries. Right. Yep. Pick it. Uh, you forced to start three games, four games in last year after Trubisky. Pickens fight. Like Pickens look great. I mean, he just looks like an athlete. Just throw him the jump ball and let him make some plays. Uh, but then even on the defense, and Joey Porter stepped up. Joey Porter Jr. stepped up and grabbed that interception. Nice to see him have an increasing role. I I, I right. really thought. You know, he was one of my draft favorites. Um, And when he went to Pittsburgh, I said, good. He stays in state, you know, long history there with his dad and whatnot. This is a guy that needs more run at defensive back in a weak defensive back team like Pittsburgh. Well, and that's what I'm getting at is like, let the young guys play. The young guys are making the plays. Let them play. Stop this. We're going to we're going to hold them back a little bit. We want to give them some game time. Get Joey Porter Jr. out there and get him making plays. Put Broderick Jones on the left side. Get the ball in Pickens' hands and let these guys do something because what we're doing right now isn't working, right? You said a couple weeks ago the defense needs to step up and win the games, and that's the only thing that's been keeping them in, uh, that defense at the end. You know, the, the the interception, the the sack by Watt, the fumble that was there, the strip sack that was there yep. as well. It was yep. the only thing that kept them out. You asked me before we turned the mics on, did the Steelers win this game or did the Ravens lose this game? The Ravens lost this game. I mean, there was Jackson had two or three touchdowns that were dropped. And I mean, the Steelers got away with this one. Before we wrap up, the Browns also didn't lose this week because, well, <laughs> they were on a bye. So we'll, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on them this week. Deshaun Watson still having some trouble not practicing today. Monday Night Football tonight, Green Bay Packers at Las Vegas Raiders. That is it for us this week. That was the Rust Belt Rundown brought to you by Circo Industrial Supply. Again, we want to hear from you. We want to start building in a fan segment. So send us your fan questions. Flagship City Sports Talk at gmail.com or on Twitter at FC Sports Talk. Erie, thanks for joining us today. My name is Nick Gartman. I am signing off for Paul Adamzak and Rick Smith. Don't forget to follow us along at FC Sports Talk. Go out, have some fun this week. <laughs>